Our reading this morning is from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence? which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. My name is Jared, and I'm the pastor here at um, HWC, High Wycombe Church, and it's wonderful to have you with us this morning. Uh, it's my joy to preach the word this morning, to uh, proclaim the Lord Jesus, who he is, what he's done. Jesus is the reason we're here, and um, we get to uh, see today a conversation he had with a group of people called the Pharisees. They've come up a few times already in the past few weeks, and this passage follows the same pattern that we've seen so far in Mark chapter 2, where the Pharisees come with a question, trying to catch Jesus out, and then Jesus answers them and reveals something about his identity based on the scriptures. We've seen that Jesus is the fully God, son of man, with power to forgive. The Messiah who welcomes the outcasts. The bridegroom who's preparing his bride. And today Jesus reveals that he is the son of man, the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Who likes to have a nap? Yeah, we had two hands there from Wade. That's great. Uh, and uh, I realise this might come across as a bit of a controversial question because we're in a place that some people might like to nap in. <laughs> I mean. Have you felt how comfortable these chairs are? I mean, I remember as a kid sitting on pews that were made of wood. Uh, I don't think you would have got a solid nap in like you could potentially in this nice warm room while it's cold outside. But nevertheless, it's good, good to see that a few of us uh, do like to nap. Maybe, maybe you like to curl up on a Sunday afternoon after church and just drift off into dreamland. Maybe you're not so much a napper because you've just worked out how to sleep really well at night time. If that's you, can you come and see me afterwards? I've got a few questions. would love to find out. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you have a few challenges getting to sleep, whether it's kids crying, dogs barking, uh, the hoons driving past, or the, your thoughts racing. Who knows? Um, but but we, we do notice when we don't get enough sleep, though, don't we? I don't know how long you've, you've managed to stay up in one go. But, but if, if, we, if we push ourselves and don't actually stop and rest... We, we do realize that we, we, do, we do need sleep. We need rest. That's how God made us. He, uh, he, there's a word that, that comes up in today's passage called Sabbath. Maybe that's a familiar word to you. Maybe you've never heard of it before. Um, and we're going to look at that word first. We're going to look at what the Sabbath is. Um, and, and then we're going to see uh, that how that relates to our need for rest. Just like sleep, 
we all need to take a break. We need to have a rest. And God's provided for this in the Sabbath. And once we've unpacked what the Sabbath is, we're going to look at, at the Pharisees' protest and we're going to look at Jesus' answer. So let's get started. One, what is the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath refers to the day of rest in the weekly cycle that God first gave in creation and then in the Ten Commandments. Let's have a look at each of those. Firstly, creation, the Sabbath in creation. I'd like you to cast your minds back a long time this morning, back to when God made the world, the beginning. If you've never read about this, um, you can do so in the first two chapters of our Bibles. It's a book called Genesis, and if you open up uh, Genesis 1 and 2, you'll see there uh, God uh, telling us where we come from and where our whole world comes from. Genesis means origin, and this is the origin story of, of the creation. God made the world in six days. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. In the same way, he made the earth and the heavens, the planets and the stars, the waters and the creatures of the earth, the air, the ocean. And on the sixth day, God made humans in his image and commanded us to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule under God, the ultimate ruler. And when God saw everything he had made, it was, yeah, it was good. And it was very good. And then we're told these words in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So at the outset, after God made the world in six days, he rested on the seventh day. It's not that God somehow needs rest like us finite creatures. No, he's the almighty one. He's infinite. He has no limits to his power. But in creating this world, God made the world have a pattern of rest. One day in seven to take a breather. And isn't it interesting that our world still makes use of a seven-day week? Have you ever thought about that? We have the seven-day week because God made the world in six days and then rested on the seventh. God set that pattern in creation, and that pattern continues to be relevant today. So we see the Sabbath rest in creation. God gives his creatures a day in, a, in, in the week to rest. Now we move on to, that was the Sabbath in creation. Now we see the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. Uh, many of us will have heard of the Ten Commandments, but a little bit of background to how we understand them is that they didn't just come in in, in the context of, in, in no context. They came they came in a context in a particular time, um, and it, it's the context of God rescuing His people out of out of slavery in Egypt. So God's Old Testament people, Israel, were enslaved in Egypt for about four hundred years, and in this time they were beaten, mistreated overworked, hardly the kind of environment conducive to taking one day off in the week. It's not, not really that kind of uh, situation. They found themselves in a foreign land with no rest. And God miraculously rescued them out of Egypt. 
He brought them through the ocean on dry ground. He parted the seas. His people walked through the ocean. And then as their enemies came to try and kill them, God defeated their enemies, closing the ocean over them. And the Ten Commandments were given in response to the salvation that God had worked for his people. Don't miss this. This is really significant. The Ten Commandments were not given in order that they might be saved, but because they had been saved. The Ten Commandments were never a list of works to do to work your way into God's good books in the hope that he might save them. No, the Ten Commandments was God calling his people to live differently in light of the fact that he had saved them, in light of the fact that he'd mightily brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery. In Exodus 20, verse 2, which is the start of the Ten Commandments, God says these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And he said that before he gave any of the commandments. So the commandments flow from the gift of salvation and not the other way around. In this list of Ten Commandments, God called his people to keep the Sabbath holy, to work for six days and rest for one, to set aside this day and to not work on it. And the reason for this in Exodus is the way that God made the world with the one in seven rest pattern. And the reason given in Deuteronomy where the Ten Commandments are mentioned again is that God saved them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm from their slavery in Egypt. So there you have it. The Sabbath follows the pattern in creation that God set of resting one day in seven. And the Sabbath was given in the Ten Commandments because of God's work of creation and salvation. The Sabbath is a gift from the infinite almighty God to us finite creatures. We need rest. God made us that way. And he's given us that rest in the Sabbath. And we mustn't forget that the Sabbath was never about earning salvation, which is impossible to do. It's always been about how we respond in gratitude, in thankfulness to God, the creator and redeemer. And with that understanding of Sabbath in mind, we now come to the interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees in the grain fields. We're firstly going to see the Pharisees protest and then we'll see Jesus' answers. So we begin with the Pharisees' protest. The Pharisees protest against Jesus and his disciples. Have a look with me in verses 23 and 24. One Sabbath, he, that is Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful? On the Sabbath. A bit of background on the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the elite religious Jews of the day. They were considered very righteous by others and even more righteous by themselves. <laughs> they lived their outward lives in exemplary piety, but we've seen repeatedly the past few weeks that they keep having these run ins with Jesus. Why? They desperately want to catch Jesus out and discredit him because he radically challenges their religious views. 
Repeatedly, Jesus exposes their self-righteousness for the fast that it is. And Jesus goes and welcomes the outcasts. He forgives sinners. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. And he claims to be God. And they hate him for it. To paraphrase Psalm 2, the Pharisees have set themselves against God and against his anointed king, Jesus. In today's passage, they once again try to catch Jesus out, uh, particularly uh, his disciples in relation to their view of the law. And so their question comes. Their question is, why are they, not, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? in response to Jesus' disciples eating some grain. Let's examine three aspects of their protest. One, the Pharisees' guiding principle. Their guiding principle was puffing themselves up and looking down on everyone else. And this is apparent from the many interactions that Jesus has with them. They consistently think of themselves in the right, never in the wrong, and everyone else always in the wrong and never in the right. And that's not a good place to be. To puff oneself up and to look down on everyone else is dangerous, especially when we realize that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Like we've already seen in Mark 2, if we don't acknowledge our need for Jesus, We can't possibly put our trust in him, and we can't be saved. The pharisaical mindset is anti-God and anti-Christ, and it's the mindset that we all tend towards by nature and desperately need Jesus to save us from. Secondly, the Pharisees added to what God had said about the Sabbath to make it an onerous observance. The Pharisees weren't satisfied with what God had put in his commandments. And so they believed that it was necessary to flesh out what those commandments meant and then enforce their vision on everyone else. So God said not to work on the Sabbath. A pharisaical way of thinking would be, well, let's come up with an exhaustive list of what counts as work and then lord that over other people. Lord that out over other people our list. Forget about God's commandments. And some of the examples are ridiculous, the kinds of things that they would do. Um, I've I've written one into a poem for you. Um, Imagine a guy, um, let's call him Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat near a wall. Onto Humpty said wall did fall. All of the Pharisees and all of the scribes couldn't care less if poor Humpty dies. Take one brick off at a time, they said. Otherwise, the Pharisees see red. Wait to see if Humpty gets up to walk. Give it some time. Sit around and talk. If he's still stuck, another brick may be taken. All the while, poor Humpty's aching. We've made up the rules and you must comply. We care more about our laws than that Humpty guy. The Sabbath must not be used for labor, even if that means the death of our neighbor. Again, this is anti-God and anti-Christ. And it's not hard to see why Jesus is so opposed to such hypocrisy. In adding all of these extra human rules, the Pharisees make the Sabbath into an onerous observance. They completely go against the way that the Sabbath was given. Remember, the Sabbath was the gift of rest 
commanded by God in response to his creation and his salvation that he's given. The Pharisees have completely missed the point. They framed the, the Sabbath observance as something people need to do in order to be saved, rather than out of gratitude for the gift of salvation that God alone gives. And framing it this way, they pass judgment on others and turn a gift into a grind. Three, the Pharisees wanted to rule over the Sabbath. They acted as though they were in charge. Instead of submitting to God and his anointed King Jesus and what Jesus said, the Pharisees raged against Jesus and his divine authority. They tried to poke holes in Jesus' disciples' actions of eating when they were in need. They saw this plucking of grain as equivalent to reaping and therefore work and therefore wrong on the Sabbath. And can you see what underlies this? It's their desire to rule, a desire to call what's right and wrong, a desire to grab at God's throne for themselves. And that's not their place at all. And it's not our place at all either. It's God's place and his alone. In their desire to rule, the Pharisees express a sentiment that we all struggle with. We want to be in charge. We want to be king. But there's only one king, Jesus, and our rebellion against this ultimate king, like the Pharisees, deserves judgment in hell. But the awesome news is that Jesus took that death in our place on the cross to save all who belong to him. And so his call to us to turn away from our old lives and to trust him as saviour and submit to him as king continues to jump out at us from the pages of Mark. We've seen what the Sabbath is. We've seen how the Pharisees protest. We see their guiding principle of, of looking down on others and puffing themselves up. We see how they, they want to rule, how they turn God's gifts into a grind. Now let's look at Jesus' answers. Jesus' answers from Scripture and his identity. Similar to in previous weeks, We've seen Jesus reveal more and more of who he is as the king of the whole world. And we now get to see Jesus answer the Pharisees once more, pointing to scripture and his identity. And these points that we'll look at now contrast to the ones that we just looked at with the Pharisees. In contrast to the Pharisees' guiding principle of puffing oneself up and everyone else down, Jesus shows the guiding principle of the scriptures to be love. The law is guided by love. Love for God and love for neighbors as ourselves. And this means that we see all of the laws rightly flowing from these two things, love for God and love for neighbor, and logically fitting within that framework. Uh, Jesus points to the example of David and the men with him eating the bread of the presence, which was only lawful for the priests to eat. And they ate this in their time of need. And notably, the law in the Old Testament provided for those in need. And the Pharisees wouldn't have accused David of wrongdoing in the case with the bread of the presence, because they recognized him as God's anointed king. And yet what David did doesn't square with their approach to the law either. 
they do accuse Jesus and his disciples because they don't recognize Jesus as God's anointed king. Knowing that the law flows from love, it makes perfect sense that those in need of sustenance for their lives are provided for. Secondly, the Sabbath is a gift, not a grind, not an onerous observance, but a refreshing rest. I remember when we were talking about the Sabbath earlier and what it is and the creation account in Genesis and the start of the Bible. Well, can you remember what order humans and the Sabbath were created in? Humans were made on day six and the Sabbath is day seven. So see what Jesus says in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Do you see what Jesus is getting at there? We weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us. The Sabbath is a gift from God to us, not a grind. And in contrast to the Pharisees' idea of earning God's approval, Sabbath observance continues to be something that flows out of gratitude from creation and, uh, and for salvation. We don't follow the Sabbath in order that we might be saved. We follow the Sabbath in gratitude to the God who made us and saved us in Jesus Christ. Finally, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, earlier on in, in chapter 2 of Mark, Jesus used the, the title Son of Man to refer to himself when he forgave the paralyzed man. Jesus once again uses this divine title at the end of Mark chapter 2, uh, re referencing Daniel 7. Uh, Son of Man tells us that Jesus is fully God and fully human. The divine kingly Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? What does it mean to be Lord of the Sabbath? Well, he's, he's the ruler of the Sabbath. He has all authority to interpret and apply it. Not the Pharisees. Why? Why, why does Jesus have all authority to rule and interpret and apply the Sabbath? It's because he made the Sabbath. The Sabbath was his idea. He's the one who set this pattern in creation and called his people to follow it out of thankfulness for his salvation. Jesus has the authority to declare what is right on the Sabbath because he made the Sabbath. The Pharisees like us are creatures who so often want to tell God how to run his universe. Jesus is God who runs the universe. It makes perfect sense then that he is the authority figure in this situation. Jesus is the king of the whole world. This king is the one who made the world, sustains the world, and rules the world. Jesus is the one who gave the Sabbath rest and invites us into it. Today we've seen uh, what the Sabbath is, where it comes from, the pattern of creation, the Ten Commandments following God, saving his people. We've seen the Pharisees protest against Jesus and his disciples where they pass judgment and reveal a lack of love, love which is the guiding principle for Scripture. And we've seen Jesus point to the Scriptures 
and to his identity as Lord of the Sabbath. At the beginning of our time together this morning, um, we were talking about sleep and needing rest. Um, has anyone had a nap today? <laughs> um, but we, we, we need more than just physical rest, don't we? We need spiritual rest. And that's exactly what Jesus offers to us. Maybe you feel like, man, I've just been running. My life is just go, go, go. Maybe you've got exams. Maybe work is weighing you down. Maybe family challenges are snowing you in. Maybe you're struggling with relational difficulties. Maybe you're looking at the news. That's all right, she can come. That's fine. I'm actually going to talk about her in a moment, so it works out really well. Um, Maybe you're struggling with relational difficulties. Maybe you're just looking at the news thinking, what's going on? Maybe you scroll through Facebook and Instagram and can't seem to drown out the noise. And our hearts cry out, I need to rest, don't they? But the world just isn't satisfying that need. Jesus is where we find true rest. Why? (laughs) True rest comes from true peace with God. Knowing our Savior Jesus and knowing that our relationship with God has been restored with Jesus through Jesus' death and resurrection in our place is the only way that we come to true peace and rest. I have an almost one-year-old daughter, Florence. That's in my notes here. Here she is. <laughs> uh, say hi, Flo. Uh, I love Flo to bits. I think she's the most beautiful baby in the whole world. <laughs> Not that I'm biased. <laughs> and um, when, when Flo sometimes has a good nap, and I, I don't mean like the kind of intermittent not-good naps. I mean, she occasionally doesn't have a good nap. You can ask my wife about that. Um, but when she has... She likes waving at people. When she has a good nap, there's a peace that she has. There's a true peaceful rest that you can just see on her face. You can see that she she knows she's safe. She knows that she is secure. And, And she can have that deep rest because of that peace that she has. I think that's that's something of a picture of what it's like when we know our relationship with God has been made right in the Lord Jesus. When you have that security in Jesus, that you know that you're right with God because Jesus has died in your place and risen again powerfully, there's a peace there, a peace there that will not be found anywhere else. And it's that peace, that peace that brings true rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You made the Sabbath. You made us. You made this world and everything in it. Lord God, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you that in a world that's full of distractions and uh, things that keep going on and keeping us busy, Lord, we thank you that we can find true rest, true peace, in you, Jesus, and only in you. 
Lord, would you work in our hearts that we would recognize our rebellion against you, that we would acknowledge that we know that deep down something isn't right about our relationship with you left to our own devices, and that we would trust the one who has done everything to save us, the Lord Jesus, the one through whom he died, the one who died in our place and rose powerfully from the dead to restore our relationship with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came to this earth that you made to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to to die the death that we deserved, to rise powerfully. And we thank you, Jesus, that because of that, we, for all who believe in you, have the secure hope of, of peace with you, Lord God. And Lord, thank you that with that true peace comes true rest. We praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.